great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday, which means Wednesdays in baseball season, I have the honor and the privilege of being joined in studio this week. He's in town. The team's in town. They're uh, taking their finals. Coach and staff's getting ready for the weekend. Anthony Babineau, assistant Coach for Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the Raging Cajun Lifer, is in studio. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, buddy. How are you today? Good. Now, we're, we're obviously going to get into a ton of Cajun baseball, but wanted to announce something that will lead me to a question here in a minute. The uh, As expected, it looked like the Saints were going to have a, a, a game in London against the Vikings that, that was officially announced this morning. Comes with two big disadvantages. One, it's a, quote, home game 4,625 miles away. Two... Because it's in week four, they can't have a bye week right after because teams don't start taking bye weeks till week six. Um, that leads me to two questions for you. What is the farthest away, the, the farthest you've had to travel for a baseball game with the Cajuns? Hawaii, 2005. That we was played, an easy one. I see. We I that, played in a tournament that the University of Hawaii hosted. 2005, I remember we flew to, let's see, New Orleans to Denver, Denver to Hawaii, and we were there for a week. We played five games. We won the first four, lost the last one, so the trip was great because Coach Robe was in a great mood the whole week because we win and we win the next day and then we win the next day. So I had, we had all these excursions planned that, you know, whether it be a, a, I think we had a sunset dinner cruise with the team one night and we had a day at the beach one day and, and just everything went off without a hitch because <laughs> y'all are winning. We were winning. Because y'all are winning. And coach was happy and he wasn't like, why are we off? Why are we off on this mountain for God's sake? Yes. Why are we taking a sunset dinner cruise? We just lost. Well, we didn't I mean, lose. We didn't you, lose, Coach. We won. So exactly, let's go have dinner. I was going to start asking you about that. Like, how did he feel about it? That sounds amazing. See, I didn't. I didn't start working here until summer of '05. So it was right after, I guess, that trip for y'all that season. I didn't. I didn't realize that. I mean, that's Hawaii. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Did you schedule really that? Nice. Who scheduled that one? Yours truly. <laughs> Yours truly. Been trying uh, to get back since 2005. They won't return my phone call. Man, you know. We played Wichita State in that uh, tournament, beat them 23-5. to um, Who was the um, guy pitching the big leagues for a long time? He was the ace of that staff. Yeah. Um, you know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat him up pretty good. That was, that was fun. So that's the furthest that I've been. And we've been on the West Coast. We've been on the East Coast. 
we've been to Minnesota, played in a tournament in the old Metrodome. So I've been around, you know. That's something. What's the most... Haven't been to London, though. No, not London. <laughs> not London. Well, I'm talking about, you know, the, the exhaustion of... You go spend a week overseas for a, quote, home game. You come home. You go right back to mm-hmm. work. If you're the Saints, you know, maybe you get a day off. If what, What's just the most exhausted you've ever been? Either as a player or as a coach because it's like, boom, 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 one thing after another. I don't recall. I mean, we've had some trips where we've had some issues, a few issues with travel to where we've gotten back really, really late or early, I should say, in in a morning on a Sunday morning or one trip we didn't get back till a Monday morning. But, you know, you just you do what you need to do, right? I mean, things happen and you just get up the next day with whatever amount of sleep you've got. And, and more coffee. And more coffee and you go to work. Just drink more coffee. I, I do, I'm sure that, you know, on one hand, and, and in talking to Coach Deggs, he's like, I wish we could play every single day. Um, you can't. And, and in college baseball, you can't. Must be nice every now and then to have a little time to breathe with no midweek games but when you have them back-to-back. Like, is there, a, in your mind as a scheduler, because of makeups, it never really pans out, but, like, what's the, what's the perfect schedule? If you're, if you're looking at a three-week stretch, knowing you've got, okay, we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is there a perfect schedule? Is it two midweek games every week? Is it 2-1-2, two, 2-no-2? Two, two? What would you ideally like? And this is just speaking for you, not not the whole team. Well, I I think ideally for me is is a, a Tuesday game, you know, four games a week. I mean, I like to play a lot as well, but... Sometimes you have that Tuesday, Wednesday, and just things, they all seem to run, they just run together, you know, because Monday's always off. Play Tuesday, play Wednesday. Thursday is just, it's a light workout, and then you're there for the weekend. You know, if you just have that Tuesday game, you can have a really good day of practice Wednesday, work on some things. Pitchers can throw a couple of innings if they need to that haven't been throwing, whether it be the weekend or the, the, the night before, and then a light day Thursday and, and go on the weekend. So, you know, for me, it's it's four games a week. I mean, I, I like the five games every once in a while just because, you know, and Matt's correct. We, I mean, we like to play. Um, once Once the season starts, there's very, very little time for practice, but – it is nice when you can have those weeks where you can get a, a good extended day of practice in as opposed to just play, 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 light workout, play, play, play. That's for me. You asked for me. Yeah, that's yeah, for yeah. me. No, I get it. ESPN Lafayette, <clears throat> best ticket in sports. Um, before we get into what's been happening on the diamond for you guys and a number of other things, um, you know how fans are there. It's hard for them to be in the moment. It's hard to be present, right? I get a lot of stuff about RPI, stuff about the draft. Um, any draft-eligible players that you guys even think about right now, or does that not come till after the season? Well, that comes after the season, but you start to think about it because you have to, unfortunately, even though this season is very much 
still right here upon us and we're entrenched in it, you have to kind of look at next year, you know, as the coaching staff, as far as personnel goes. And, you know, you've got guys like Tyler Robinson, Julian Brock, Max Marshak, guys that are having, you know, good seasons that are draft eligible. Carson Rockerford isn't eligible until next season as a third-year player. He'll be a third-year player next year. So, you know, there's definitely potential. I mean, Julian Brock is is playing exceptional. What that he really guy. has, um, and it's really all facets of of his game, it's from the catching to the throwing, to the offense that's picked up, to the power that that he's displayed, the physicality that he has, his size. I mean, he he looks like a big league catcher. That's what they look like. Um, so, we'll see what happens at the end of the season with guys like him, Tyler, Max. And then it's a, it's a just a wait-and-see type deal. Right. Some years you have an idea that you know guys are not going to go, right? I mean, TR was eligible last year. We knew he wasn't going to go. He, he made that known to us. You know, I'm coming back here. This is what I want to do. I need another season. Other guys, you just, you just don't know kind of what they're thinking or, or what will happen in the moment. You mentioned Julian Brock, uh, something that I was – discussing with Coach Deggs on Monday and how he's turned himself into a major league prospect because he's worked at it. That wasn't the case. We weren't saying that about Julian Brock when he arrived on campus in 2020. Um, and, you know, we were talking on Monday about when the game adjusts to you, how you adjust to the game, right? For a, for a great college baseball player, you come in, you have success, scouting report gets out, game adjusts to you. Now that success isn't just constant, right? What do you do? How do you respond to it? Some guys come back fully. Some guys have moments here and there. Some guys never really are able to overcome that. doesn't mean they're a bad player, but they never sort of take that big step where they're a prospect. He seems to have done that right now, and I know there's some baseball left to be played, but as a coach and as a former player, Bab, I'll ask you what I ask Coach Deggs. What's the most difficult part of step three in that process? Because it seems like it's the hardest step. I mean, on one hand, you get in there, man, maybe you have early success. This isn't too bad. Pretty good. I, I, I belong in college. Uh-oh. What happened? Things are bad. Now, you're a young man. Maybe you're confident to shot that third step of now you're adjusting to the game after it adjusted to you. What's the most difficult part of it? Well, first of all, you have to understand what adjustments were made to you. You know, why are you not having that constant success that you referred to that you did when you came in young before the scouting reports got out on you? So you have to first understand what, how guys are pitching you, what's out there on you. What does the report say? Does it say your swing is long? Does it say you can be attacked in? Does it say spin is good? So you have to, First, understand what the report is against you and then start to attack those weaknesses in your in your preparation, in your practice. If 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 that's how they're gonna attack you, then you've gotta combat that. And like you said, and, and being having the ability to overcome those things and, and work on those weaknesses, so to speak, are perceived weaknesses right by by the opponent 
that that's the tough part to come back against that and 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 whenever that shows up in a game being able to handle it right if if it says can be attacked in then when they attack in you've got to you've got to pop pop them and and so that okay oh can't attack in. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. We've got to go back away, and then they can't beat you there because that's a strength of yours, you know. So it, it is tough, as you mentioned, and you're exactly right. There's some guys that snap out of it right. I say snap out of it, get on the other side of it right away. Some it takes them a little longer. Some never do. Is it? Do you feel like it's obviously there's the the obvious side of it is the physical side of it, right? Mm-hmm. You might not be strong in a certain area. You might have to do this. Is the mental side of it the more difficult part? Or it just depends on the guy? It's just, it depends on the guy, yeah. but it's definitely just as difficult because you've got to be able to overcome and flip flip the switch in your brain that says, okay, I, I'm not as bad as what I've been doing because the report's out on me. I, I can overcome this. And being strong mentally leads to being able to do things physically and having getting that confidence again that's needed to be successful. It just goes back to why baseball is such a – is just – it's chock full of so many life lessons. Like I was talking to a, a friend of mine over the weekend. His son's on a travel ball team, and he was – his son was on one team and then left, and now they're on another. And he was just like, I really like this one. Like when they do something wrong, they're like, all right, take a lap or don't flip out or get used to it or work on it, right? It's not a – you know, somebody starts throwing a fit after a strikeout, they're not calling him, right? And he's like, that's life, you know? That's what that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of team I want my kid to be on, not a travel ball team where it's like, it's going to be all right, you know, you, you don't, it's someone else's fault or, you know. And I looked at him like, well, yeah, because if not, why are they in baseball? Right. You're going to fail. Like why that's in sports. You, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fail a lot in baseball though. I mean, because just by nature of the game, mm-hmm. it's. It's set up that way. It's how you respond to it. And, um, you know, that that aspect of going from good college player to now everybody's like, I don't know, are they even good, to major league prospect, that's a, that's a process that not everybody does. But when you see it happen, it's really, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to witness. And hearing how his teammates, how you guys, how the fans talk about Julian Brock and what he's, you know, what he's gone through. I mean, I remember talking to Todd Light quite a bit. A young man I got to talk to a lot when he played and talking to Coach Robe about him. And you talk about a process of how he got there, what it was like in year two, and how he finished. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved how, at the end of it, how open he was sort of about that journey. And it's great to see him, you know, playing in the minors. But you come in, got the skills, suddenly what's happening. And... On the outside, fans aren't there day to day. They just they see the numbers and they're like, well, "What's the deal? What's the deal?" And there's so much going on on the diamond in the head of the player and just at practice, man. So I love when a guy comes out on the other side. And they're just they're reaping the rewards of putting in the time and, and opening themselves up. Yeah, for sure. And and those guys, they all realize that. I can remember an interview with Todd where Todd said, "You know this." This was on me when I realized I needed to do things differently. That's when I started to become the player that I could potentially be, right? And you're right. The fans and everybody just sees numbers and and what they were, they once were, and then 
they start having failure and what's the issue and why is this happening? But as you mentioned, they don't see the day-to-day and what goes on and, and how some of them struggle with change, how some of them struggle with having to do things a different way to be successful because the way they were doing it is not working anymore. And to see them come on the other side of it, it's that was a good comparison, you know, with Julian to Todd because both highly, highly recruited players that came in with very high expectations. They were celebrated by fans before they even stepped on the diamond. Correct. And, you know, a lot of that is our fault as well because, you know, we get really excited when we sign players of that caliber. I was asking you about the recruiting process, the time lot, what he can be, and you're like, look, he hadn't played yet. Right. We hype these guys up of what they could potentially be. If it doesn't happen, like, what do you mean he could be this? I don't, I don't see it. Well, it's there. Trust me. It's just he's got to make some adjustments and he's got to believe and things have to happen. And, and then, lo and behold, when they do happen, it's, it's great to see. It really is. It's great for the kid because you, you can see the confidence level in the kid just because when, when you're going bad, you, know, you can see that. You know, it's tough to not wear that you know, day to day the way we see them. So when you see them struggle and then have the success and walk around with the confidence knowing that 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 they're performing at a high level and, and you know Julian Brock has a chance to play this game for a very, very long time. Very long time. Especially at the position that he's in, catcher. So and and I hope that he does. I really do because he 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 loves the game. He wants to play it professionally. Whether that be at the end of this season, next season, we'll we'll see how things go. You know, ESPN Lafayette. It's it's fun watching him now. And um, Cajuns will be back in action this weekend on the diamond at home Friday, Saturday, Sunday against UT Arlington. Um, our uh, our friend Mister Voris. Says, uh, Mike Pelfrey, was that the pitcher you were talking about from Wichita State? Mike Pelfrey. He, he was a New York Met. He was a New York Met. He was a New Met. York Met. I remember Mike well, his first year. Because he didn't, he went in the minors very long. I mean, he was pitching no. for the Mets like the next year. That's correct. And got off to like an 0-7 start. But it was Mike Pelfrey, played he, for the Wichita State Shockers. He, uh, and he, he got he got Pelfried. He got Pelfried. Y'all that gave game, it to him. That game in, <laughs> in Hawaii. I think I think Mr. Voorhees got tossed from that game. I oh, got really? tossed from that game. I remember I finished watching it in the bullpen. Those were the days, man. <laughs> Those were the days. You got tossed uh, at a game in Hawaii. You're like, well, I can't go back on the diamond. I'm going to go check out this view. Well, no, I stayed at the game, but I watched it from the bullpen. What was the view like from the stadium? Was it just kind of in a town, or were you able, was there some picturesque stuff? No. No, the stadium was in town. It, it was it was pretty, but not you didn't picturesque like you're thinking. It right. wasn't. No, it that's wasn't. probably why you got tossed. The the, the, the ambiance wasn't going to put you in this like cool surfer mood. You're like, what is this? Well, we Get were going to dinner cruises and the beach and and the ocean and then yeah, but you had to spend a week with in town at a baseball party. That's, you know, you hey. had to spend a week with sport. I mean, that's hey, it was good. Was that it was, was good? That, was that difficult to spend all that time with him? No. I'm just messing no, with him. Because I didn't spend the whole week with him. 
I spent probably you spent the three some time hours with the at, bullpen at the, the bullpen. <laughs> yes, but that was just a couple innings. It was late in the game. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back more. Got some questions about the pitching staff. We'll talk Carson Rockefort and uh, what's coming up on the schedule. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott. That's Coach Anthony Babineau. Best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Yeah. There is uh, Caribbean Queen by request from one uh, Tony Babineau, Anthony Babineau. That was my request. That was your request. Oh, that was your, you want it again? Is it? Oh, there yeah. it is. <laughs> Billy Ocean. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, the memories. ESP and Lafayette. Older we get, the more memories we have. That might have been in. Well, that was even way before we went to Hawaii. Yeah, dude. That, no, <laughs> way before. Shoot, when you're in Hawaii, people were into. I don't know. Billy Ocean. He was. That was in the '80s, late '80s, early '90s, right? That's right. Yes, that's right. That's what I remember. The good times, the yes. glory days, right there. We could just go back, but we can't. Looking forward, you guys have UT Arlington this weekend. Um, you know, I. When you look at the standings in front of you, where you guys are now, we talked about how jam-packed the standings were, one through six, and now you have some teams at the bottom of the league starting to win some more games because they don't want to be left out. Ten teams get in, six get the buys. It, with Because Texas State dropped a game, and I, yes, I am, I am standing watching, um, here you are in May. Everything you guys want to accomplish, you can still do without – help that's i know obviously you there there's some you want back that were slipped away but to be at that point in may instead of well you know we just got to get better we got to get to the tournament and then do this to still have the conference right there in front of you and and have control of it heading into may is that that's something that's not lost on you guys i'm sure is that something you guys talk about with each other and the team well what that means is that you're playing with the level of consistency which is what we've been doing this entire or well, even before the second half of the season started, is playing a lot more consistent in all facets of the game, offensively, defensively, which the defense has been pretty good the entire season, really good in this mm-hmm. this run that we've been on. And, and then the pitching staff has been really, really good. A little setback on Sunday with with free stuff again. But that's what that tells me, that the fact that this point in the season, everything is in front of us, as you mentioned, without needing help from someone else. 
tells me that we've played consistent baseball over or that a team has played consistently over either the entire season or at least a large stretch of it. In our case, you know, it's been a large stretch of the season that we've been pretty consistent. You've got um, UT Arlington this weekend, and they're they're fighting to get in the tournament. And you look at just the conference standings, it's like there's a race at the top. You're, you're three games back at Texas State, but, you know, you're, you're four games up of sixth and seventh and eighth. If you just look at the, the loss column... And then you look at the bottom, and ULM, App State, UT, Arkansas State, they're all trying to get those last two spots. Point being is, I, I, I know it when I see it, Coach. I've seen late when you get to May, some teams, they've kind of packed it in. They won't admit it. This year in the Sun Belt, I don't know that, it, it, when you, even when you look at the teams at the bottom and what they've done just here the last few weeks, no one's packing it in right now. They're all thinking we got to get ready for Montgomery, and the only way to do that is to just not drop anything. You're getting everybody's best, and I, I imagine uh, the Mavs are coming in, and I get it. It's their last year in the league, but they they want they want to they want to go to Montgomery. They don't want to go home in a few weeks. Well, they certainly do want to go to Montgomery, and they have a coach who, in Darren Thomas, who is not a quitter, right? And so uh, they're not going to do that. They're going to come in here this weekend. They're going to expect to win. We're going to approach the games as we always do, expecting to win. We've we've got to play the way we can play. We've said it all along. If we do, we control what we do well, then we're going to have success. We're going to be good. If we can stop, if we, we – you can go back and look. When we don't give up free stuff, we are successful. We really are. And, and that's all teams, really, because the more you make the guys have to earn stuff, the tougher it is to do – but that's the approach each and every game. Uh, obviously, there's a game plan with each different game, depending on the pitcher and, and what some of the teams can or can't do defensively. So there's a game plan that we have to go out and execute. But when we execute that game plan, we can be really, really good. These games, they're, they're must-win games. They are. We've put ourselves in a position to where we have to win just about every game in order to stay in the conversation for that large bid. There's obviously the automatic bid with the conference tournament. You want to have yourself in a position to receive an at-large should you not win that tournament because there's no guarantees. It's it's tough to win a tournament. We've had some, we've had a little bit of success, excuse me, with tournaments, but there's no guarantee. So we we've got to win. We've got to win each and every game. There's no there's no margin for error, especially with the RPI numbers of the teams that we're going to be facing the rest of the season, with the exception of Texas State. Which makes it that also extra important, right? Correct. You get wins against teams with an RPI that high. You know, the Sun Belt, it's, is it a good RPI league? Yeah. Does it mean every team in the league has a good RPI? Absolutely not. And I think that's there's a big differential um you know, when you when you talk about the two and who are you playing and what do you do against them, it's just the reality of it. Not Jay and Jay Walker and I were discussing yesterday about RPI and you know, is too much put on it, not enough. Reality is, it's a it's a big part of a formula that's used by the committee. It's not the know all end all, but it's a big part of it, and it's a formula that you know in college baseball. I said it it gives. <laughs> it's kind of like the BCS was back in college football. It gets fans interested in games they otherwise would not care at all about which i guess is good for the game um you start following games in other parts of the country or scores and 
I know as a coach, you can only control what you can control. And at this point, it's going out, playing the teams on your schedule and trying to win them all. Are you paying more attention to RPI in the league? Or are you, if a team's, you know, five behind you, five in front of you, are you kind of following their games too? Or do you just glance at it every Monday? Like, what, what is, how closely does the staff follow RPI knowing all we can do is win, but we still want to, kind of still curious to see where it all falls. Well, we follow it a little bit because of where we are in the RPI column. You know, we kind of hovered in the 40s, 50s. So, you know, that's the the gray area, so to speak, where it's it's a good number, but... Some years it may be good enough for Nat large. Other years it's not even close to being good enough. So when you're in that range, after after your game is finished, you kind of look to see what the other teams have done that have the good RPI numbers that you've played, that you've been successful against. Mm-hmm. And you root for those teams, right? Because you want those teams to keep winning. So we look at it a little bit, you know, that the times that, you know, if it's really, really low – you don't look at it as much because, hey, we're kind of safe. And, you know, but the fact that we're where we're, we are where we're at with the RPI, you kind of, you kind of look at it a little bit, but you can't get enamored with it because it is what it is. You can't control. The only thing you can control is, is your game. Right. You can't you, control what other people do. You want to put more energy into your game rather than the formula that. Right. You can't impact it by just sitting there staring at it. Right. But so, you have to. I think you have to know the formula and know how it works so that you can have it work for you. Right. Especially in someone in your position that's putting schedules together. And and the tough part about that is it's done two to three years right. in right. advance. On one hand, you're like, I'm glad Southern Miss is coming to the league for multiple reasons. One of them's RPI. On the other, it's, man, the year we play Marshall, history tells us maybe they might not be that great, but... Maybe we have to do a few extra things in non-conference. Of course, I'm sure with non-conference, I mean, does Coach Deggs just tell you to schedule the hardest teams possible? Like, what's the – on one hand, you want RPI. On the other, you want experience. What, what What's that process like, Bab, when you're – a lot of things to consider when you're doing a non-conference schedule and you're trying to line things up a few years in advance. There are a lot of things to consider. And traditionally – one of the things to consider is or has been the league RPI has just been okay, right? The last, I don't know how many years, uh, quite a few. And because of that, scheduling non-conference opponents takes a greater importance because you've got to play someone that's going to get your RPI up, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with the addition of of these four teams, specifically Southern Miss and what Old Dominion has done, you know, over the last few years, that's going to get more RPI teams in the league that you're playing. So possibly you can scale back a little bit on the on the non conference portion of the schedule. But then you you just never know because a team that historically has a high RPI or a low RPI, the year that you're counting on them to have a low RPI and you schedule differently in non-conference, they may not have that low RPI that you're counting on. 
So it's a lot of guesstimation. It it is educated guesstimation, but you're still having to guess and project. Right. But what overcomes a lot of that? You know what overcomes a lot of that? Winning. Just get the W. The big dub. Get the W. That's it. ESPN Lafayette. And you guys have done that this year when you haven't given up the free stuff, as we said many times. Looking at, at your, your starting pitching on the weekends, a lot of experience. Guys playing more. Some guys playing in starting roles where maybe they haven't done it in the past. You and I were talking earlier about Julian Brock in that, okay, you adjust to the game, game adjusts to you, adjust back to the game. You feel like any of your starters on the weekends right now are between step two and three right now? Or are they are, are they just, you know, because they have a lot of experience. I imagine they've maybe there's been many steps, and maybe I'm maybe I'm simplifying it to you know to be fair. But I'll ask anyway. Do you feel like some of those guys are maybe somewhere in between two and three right now in those steps? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment because they've had some success, as you mentioned, some big success, and. They've had some outings where they've got knocked around a little bit. This this weekend was one of them. You know, Saturday, we had a big win Saturday. The game really wasn't close at the end. But through the midway, up to the midway point, it was very close. You know, we got out to a big lead, and then they kept coming back. And Schultz had a rough day. It was, it was a tough day for him getting outs. He was facing eight lefties in the lineup. And it was just, they made it tough on him. They suffocated him with lefties. And But to his credit, when we took him out, he didn't sulk on the bench. We even made a point to the team after the game that this is what a true teammate is. He scuffled out there. We took him out. He came in and immediately started pulling for AP, for his teammates, for guys that were going, that went in there to try and clean up his mess, so to speak. And that's what a that's what a true teammate does. And so you're right. And then Jeff Wilson on Sunday scuffled a little bit. So those guys have to come back around and try to right the ship, so to speak, for themselves personally and, and, and for their team. And I think that they will. They've shown that they can do that before, bounce back after some somewhat tough outings and not just bounce back, but sometimes bounce back with you know, CG, CGs, complete, complete game. games, Come, and, and unbelievable. With yeah. Yes, with a vengeance. You're correct. Um, big weekend this weekend. I, I against UTA. You know, for for multiple reasons, we discussed RPI, some about conference standings. I I'm interested in following what those guys do. You know, what they get out to, and we've talked about these guys. And if, if you don't get to them early, then a CG could be coming, right? Um, you get to them early. They, because of that experience, they're able to right the ship a lot of times, but it also puts a staff in a position of how long do we roll with this? And that's just part of coaching. But um, I know the goal is to win a seventh straight Sunbelt Conference Series this weekend. Six in a row is is impressive, but you know, seven in a sweep is what y'all are going for. What's the key to not just winning the series, but but winning all three? Well, the key to winning all three is is getting it done Friday night and getting that first one done and coming out. You know, the guys will be finished with finals, so they'll have that burden off of their shoulders. So hopefully that's, of course, I can't say that that's something that's weighed us down, you know, the school part of it, because we've, we've played at a very, very high level. These guys have, have combined the, the 
academic with the athletic part of it and their academics are doing really, really well. We, we keep up with that from week to week. Coach Domang does, and we're doing really great in the classroom, doing great on the, on the field right now. So, but still when you, when you get the, the academic side off of you and it's just baseball, it's, it's a big relief. And, and that's when it kind of really becomes like in some form of fashion, professional baseball, right? To where it's just, you That's get up, you, you get up, you go to the yard, mm-hmm. you practice a little bit, and you play, and you get up the next day and you do it again. So uh, that'll be the case starting this weekend. A lot of events. I'm sure you're probably going to ask about that or, or mention it as yeah. we as we keep going. But a lot of events this weekend, from Alumni Weekend to Mother's Day on on Sunday. I know Saturday is is Strikeout Stroke. A lot of things going on this weekend at the park. It's supposed to be, I think there's a little chance of rain on Friday, but the rest of the weekend's supposed to be nice. So looking forward to a good weekend. It's been a while since we played here, so looking forward to seeing the fans again. I'm sure they're going to come out because they, they, they want to see some baseball here at the Teague and Russo Park. So looking forward to this weekend. Big special events planned, as, as, uh, as Bab was alluding to. We will tell you all about it in the final segment because it's going to be awesome and um, it's going to be special for a variety of reasons. We'll tell you about that. And uh, I'm going to, um, at the very end of the show, reference some old iconic dance floors in Lafayette and ask Bab which ones he danced on. So you don't want to miss that either. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best tip. Stop! Oh, when you can! You won't! And you don't stop! Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Rage Occasion Assistant Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau in the house. Big thanks to him. Thanks to Caddy Ted Scott, who came on the show in the 7 o'clock hour. I saw that he was going to be on. How did that go? It was great, man. He's a cool guy. I'd never talked to him before, actually. Uh, you was from bag. here. He went to Como, right? Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I think so. Como he, high school. He went to uh, he, he went to McNeese briefly to play golf, but like came back to UL. Was going to walk on the golf team and then got into foosball mm. and became a the world foosball champion. Is that correct? <laughs> Talk about a crazy story. Then gets into caddying, lives out of a car, eating you know fast food, and works his way up. And he's been on the bag for three green jackets. So. What a story, man! Uh, a, but yeah, he lives. He lives in Lafayette, and I had a foosball table growing up. Did you? I did. did were you good? I was okay. Not bad. I, I kind of mastered the not being able to, you know, because you start spinning it, 
you know, he starts spinning the little right, man, and right. you can't spin, you can't spin. So, okay, you can't spin. So you got to make that little stick man. You have to have a pop. strong wrist. If you start spinning, you might knock it in your own. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, or strong wrist, or you've got to develop a technique where you kind of just take your hand down the side. and. I should have had you in here. Y'all could have just talked foosball. Man, I used to love foosball. And when you'd foos someone from the back, just, you just hear that good. little ball against the, <laughs> make that sound against the, not the back net, because not a back net. No, the, no. The, I know the sound. The hole. The, the ball <laughs> dropping. Oh, whenever you do it with force. Force. Oh, it's like whenever the... No, I'm not just talking about the little drop off yeah, the Yeah, you're talking I'm about talking the... Like when you, I'm like talking when about the ball... <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's like when the ball hits the glove on a strike. When it hits the back wall. Yes. Um, this weekend, uh, Friday night, Louisiana is going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the 1972 team, the Southland Conference Championship team, on-field presentation, uh, ceremonial first pitch. On Saturday... Uh, Our Lady of Lords is sponsoring the Strikeout for Stroke. A special check presentation is going to be given at the conclusion of the game. And then something you guys have always done, the traditional Mother's Day game when it's at home. Uh, It's going to – the Mother's Day first pitch will occur prior to Sunday's finale. So a lot of of the moms of the players will be throwing out ceremonial first pitches to their sons. Of course, every Sunday is uh, is family day at Russo Park. So kids can get onto the field pregame, line up with the team for the national anthem, and after the game – uh, run the field, uh, get on the field and, and run the bases. So 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday, pregame 30 minutes prior with Jay Walker and Brad Topham. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, you ready for this dance floor? You've got me thinking. At During the break, I was... These are some iconic Lafayette dance floors. For many years, the Lafayette nightlife was all about dancing. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is now because I, I don't go out ever. I'm, Mm-mm. you know... Um, I feel like it's tough to dance to some of the music that's out now. Yeah, it's probably just, uh, I don't, I agree with you. I don't know if that's just us because of our age or if. Maybe, no, it's, me, yeah, maybe so. No, no. You know what? No, it's not. It's just hard. It's not as good as it used to be. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Uh, For sure. Did you ever uh, dance on the, at the, at the Kingfish? Did. Okay. It's one for one. At some of these, I know. Poets. <laughs> did. Okay. Graham Central Station. Did. At Paradise Beach Room. I mean, the cages usually were... Um, I never made it into yeah, the cage. Yeah. but <laughs> Never made it into the cage, but the floor. Uh, the keg. Sure. Did. I mean, not only did it include the checkered floor, but mm-hmm. surrounded by stages, that famous catwalk that many fell off when they were likely inebriated. Uh, some of these aren't. I mean, Grand Street Dance Hall. I saw. I've seen some good shows in there. Correct. The Cowboy Club, Cowboys Nightclub, did. The Plaza, did. Batten one thousand seven for seven. Now, all of those except the Kingfish. I can say that I, I had been into all of those. Where was the Kingfish? I don't. I don't remember the Kingfish. It was on Lake Martin Road. Okay. And it, how long? It's been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. That's the only one. I was six of seven, but I figured Bab was, uh, I figured he had that one. Mm-hmm. Seven for seven. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour. Man, always appreciate you coming in. Uh, I know the Cajun fans appreciate it as well. And just sports fans. Uh, and yes, Bab and I sometimes get off of sports a little bit, but. That's what I like about this hour, though. The fun stuff. I mean, right. I, 
the dance floor talk. For the sure. travel. I knew well, I was going to be. I knew I was going to hit a thousand on that. Well, I really did. <laughs> you could probably go six or seven more, and the answer would be did. Right yeah. there. Picture a young Bab with his. I don't know. I don't think that's what I was dancing to on those dance floors, though. No, it was. It was probably more like the song that was number one in America whenever you were on the baseball team, like DC Music Factory. Or something. All right, go back. What, what's it was the, more. It was some of that stuff. What, what's, what's the what was the ultimate song that got Young Bab on the dance floor? Well, man, back back in those days, it was stuff. You know, Stevie B, Kuiper. Um, you know, I know you'll get some. I know you're Spring, searching I mean, so to hurry up and pull I got, some I of got, that. I got. I got to pull up Spring Love immediately. <laughs> immediately, you said you said Stevie B. I mean, you know, Stevie B. Oh, is there's still music? time to get it on. Friends would walk up to me and just be like, "Yes, yes, barely, but yes." Dun, 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 dun. There we there. go. <laughs> we go. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Journey of the Perfect Man. See? It's coming. If you haven't seen this music video in a long time, I invite everyone to watch it. He's still big time down in South Louisiana. Oh, he When he goes to Route 92, they sell that out. All of every, The whole demographic is like between like 40 and 60, and they're all going nuts. They do. They do. I I've saw him it. there one time. I've, oh, I've been there. I remember meeting him there. Me and the wife took a picture with him. He's like, you want to buy my book, Journey of the Perfect Band? I'm like, ah. Y'all took a picture with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've seen him when he did Patty in the Park. Cause he, when he's performing, he's got on, you know, he's got a little stage makeup. He's looking, looks very different when he's not on stage. You might not recognize him. So whenever I saw him off stage, he was like, oh, no, I, I got to. He's a, he's he was a, hesitant to talk to me, but once he was all gussied up, he's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, buy my new track. I'm like, I bought your old ones. He's a tiny little man, too. Legend. But he is a legend. All right. On he that made, note, we are out of time. He made a lot of people dance on that dance floor. That's for sure. James Butler in studio with me tomorrow, Friday. Gus Cattengale, Levi Lewis. Kendall Rogers. Got a lot of guests coming up the next few days on The Great Scott Show. Dan Patrick shows next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.